0: following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So the last part of this Anchoring Rhythms concept this year, and this will transition us into what I hope is a sermon shortly, I promise. Um, The last part of that is that we are going to be using lectionary texts for our sermons all year. Now, if you're not familiar with the lectionary, if you haven't been around when we've been in the lectionary, we tend to... Over our long history of 12 years as a church, we've tended to use the lectionary during Advent and Lent, and maybe not very often the rest of the time. But this year, we're going to use it all year long. So what the lectionary is, is a collection of scriptural texts that are grouped into four categories every week. You have an Old Testament reading, you have a Psalm reading, you have an Epistle reading or a Prophet reading, and then a Gospel reading. And the four texts um, come every week, and uh, if you follow it all year long, then it switches to another year, and then it goes around again, and then it switches to a third year and goes around again. There's three years, year A, year B, year C, and um, each week there's a text assigned. Now, if you go through three-year cycle on the lectionary, um, you won't get every word of Scripture, but you'll get a really big picture of it, and it also ties into the normal rhythms of the Christian calendar which is a really nice thing that we want to leverage uh, in our favor this year. We have lots to do, lots to do this year. Very busy time coming up for us. And we just, the, the leadership team and staff just knew this was a time when we need to remove a bunch of variables. Let's, let's not overthink everything. Let's, let's get into the lectionary and just let the scripture lead us where it leads us. And so I'm actually really excited about this. I love preaching from the lectionary and it's, it's going to be a challenge for me personally and for you, but I think it's going to be a good one that we will all enjoy. Um, so if you'd like to be following along with the lectionary, it's very easy. If you just Google the word lectionary, it's like dictionary but with an L-E instead of a D-I at the beginning. Lectionary. Um, the first result will be the uh, Vanderbilt Divinity School, I think, has the lectionary texts in there every week. You can find them very easily. So it would be awesome if you were reading ahead as we get ready for Sundays and then you come here and you've already heard these texts kind of or seen them um, and suddenly they take on a new life. I promise that they will. Our greenhouse groups study the lectionary ahead of the week and we've, when we've done that at certain times of the year, it's been an amazing experience. So, All right. <clears throat> That's a much longer than usual business preamble. I apologize, but there's lots, as I said, to to tell you about. Today, um, to get our feet wet with the lectionary, we're just going to look at one of the readings for the most part, and that's the reading from Romans 12. Uh, Renew your minds is what we'll be talking about this morning, and I hope that we will renew our minds. Romans 12, if you'd like to follow along, um, can be found on page 922 in these red Bibles, Uh, If you have a Bible of your own on your phone or in your purse or just that you bring around with you places, I encourage you to read it out of your own Bible, kind of get that feeling of what it's like to read the scriptures on your own. If you don't have your own Bible, take a big blue pen from from the seat and put your name in the front of one of these and take it home with you because that's what they're there for. Romans 12, we'll read verses 1 through 8. For church nerds like me, this is a very famous passage. You may recognize it if you are also a church nerd. But let's see if we can find some new life in it today. Um, Now, right out of the gate, I'm going to make a disclaimer. The first words say, I appeal to you, therefore, and you know me. You know what I'm going to say. When we get the therefore, you're going to hear me say what? What is the therefore, therefore? It's not fair to read a text, a little piece of the scriptures, and it says, therefore, and you just go on like nothing happened. Because the therefore depends, you know, that means that what he's about to say depends on what he was saying just a second ago, right? Um, the problem with Romans is that there's like 78 therefores, right? It's like, he just was in a mood when he wrote this letter. Um, it's, it, you'd like go therefore okay i'll read the thing before there's another therefore and you pretty soon you're back to romans one and you don't even know what you're doing um so we're, we won't go too far back but the point is um the therefore here is that god is merciful to all kinds of different people to people who deserve it to people who don't <laughs> and that we ought to um act in accordance with that fact so he says i appeal to you therefore brothers and sisters By the mercies of God, some translations say, in light of God's many mercies, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. And then it goes on and it's it's good. So I encourage you to keep reading. But that's where we stop for today. What I'd like to do is just kind of go through this piece by piece because it's, it's, it's laid on me this past week of uh, a very heavy kind of thought and message that I want to share with you. And I'll be honest with you right out of the gate. I'm not sure I can get it out of my brain and into your your brain <laughs> um, because it's so. I feel it very deeply, very strongly, and it it gets me a little bit worked up. <laughs> I can't promise um, a Pastor Simmons' level of energy <laughs> this morning <laughs> or ever, uh, but I will. I, I, let's just say I, I, hope that, I hope that this comes through to you. That's the type of disclaimer that they tell you never make because you're just going to make people believe, like, tune you out. I'm sorry, I did it. That's who I am. Um, <laughs> I don't follow the rules, man. Um, so, so let's go back to verse 1 here. here. I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Isn't that interesting? that He says to present your bodies, and that when you present your bodies, something physical, that that becomes spiritual worship. How could that possibly be? Does that even make any sense? Well, on the first level, you have to remember that he's writing to a group of people who have in their collective conscious memory the idea of animal sacrifice. Very, very important part of their understanding of the Jewish faith. And so on that first level, Paul is just saying that animal sacrifice is no longer the way to worship God. Now it's your own bodies that will be placed on that altar. But the good news is that you don't have to be slaughtered first like a sacrificial animal would have to be because you are a living sacrifice. And so the way you worship God is with the way you live. You know, putting your own body on the altar of sacrifice in the temple would have been a very alarming picture of what it means to serve God. It would have connected instantly with uh, Jewish hearers and readers. Much better than it probably does to us. But think of it that way. Your sacrifice, your act of worship is the way you live. You are a living sacrifice. And the idea of bodies comes up again later in this passage and we'll see why it becomes important. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern, discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, I'll do my best not to go all the way down my rabbit trail about understanding God's will. Suffice it to say that discerning the will of God does not mean looking for a needle in a haystack. It does not mean finding that one perfect thing that looks almost exactly like all the other things that God has preordained for you to find from all eternity, right? We don't have to go into the theological implications there, but the problematic idea that there's this one specific course of action that's actually God's perfect will, and your life is made up of a series of decisions, each one of them, uh, contingent on those that came before it, and uh, all the ones that come after it will be contingent on it, and if you get anything wrong, guess what? You just shaved off, you know, 32% of God's good, perfect will for your life, right? This is the... Nobody came out and said this out loud in church growing up, but this is the way God's will was spoken about in my tradition, right? And if you can't find the needle in this haystack... Well, guess what? Your next 78 haystacks are not going to be as good as they would have been because you're not a good enough Christian. Your faith is not strong enough. You don't have enough um, spiritual intelligence, whatever it might be. Here's the thing. We know what God's will is. God's will is spoken of specifically in the New Testament, and it's not very specific. Whenever God's will, the phrase is used in the New Testament, it's talking about things like praying without ceasing or giving thanks or you know, not exploiting each other's bodies. That kind of thing. God's will is fairly straightforward, right? Love, mercy, do justice. That kind of stuff is what God's will means. What does need to be discerned, though, is how to live it out in a particular context, That's where the rubber hits the road. That's where it becomes complicated. That's where you have to make difficult choices and depend on the Spirit of God to give you guidance in your life. But it's not the kind of thing where you're on a tightrope and if you take one wrong step, well, what needs to be discerned is how do you live out God's will, God's revealed will, in a particular context, and for that you need transformation Specifically, your mind needs to be renewed. Because without that transformation, without the renewing of the minds, what you will do is you will conform. You're just going to be a photocopy of everything else you see going on around you. And have you seen what's going on around us lately? Do you want to be a photocopy of that? Then you need to be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And guess what? Railing back at what you see around you with the same kind of act- attitude and activity and behavior is not transformation, that is conformity. You're not being transformed. That in itself is an act of being conformed to the world. The political division that I see right now, I, I, I am not that old. I'm, about, I'm a few days away from 40 Um, but I've never seen anything like it in my whole life. And I have talked to people who are, you know, a little older than me, and they say something similar. I don't know where it fits in the, you know, the history of the whole world, but it's terrible right now. It is terrible. I want (laughs) to... And it's getting very personal. You know what? I'm totally fine with having different political views than anybody else. I don't mind a friendly conversation or a debate in the right context. But this is really vicious, what I'm seeing right now. Look, and at the risk of perpetuating it, I'm seeing it on many sides. Here's what I think the solution has to be for us, for people of Christian faith. If you're not a person of Christian faith, I don't have a solution for you. I'm sorry. Um, I'm glad you're here (laughs) and we have lots of other things we can talk about but for people who follow the way of Jesus I think the solution is this because here's the thing we are not all magically going to have the same political opinions it's not like we're just going to pray and say Lord make us all whatever as if many of us would want that anyway (laughs) The parts that the enemy wants to use as leverage to pry us apart, those, those differences among us are always going to be there. We, that's, the solution is not to try to become all the same. It won't work. But what if we all fixed our eyes on Jesus and his way instead of all the other stuff around us? So that wherever we are on the political spectrum or on the spectrums of all the other things that might divide us, instead of looking at each other with anger or looking to uh, those who are around us with uh, self-congratulatory attitudes, what if we all turned and looked to Jesus at the same time? Wherever we were sitting or standing or existing, we'd all be looking at the same thing. Do you remember for like 45 minutes a while ago, we were all looking at the same thing at the same time? That eclipse was such a beautiful thing. I'm sorry if you were working during that time, like somebody was probably doing surgery, or like I couldn't look at the eclipse. So the guy's brain was right there, but you know, <laughs> most of us, most of us were standing around or sitting in lawn chairs or whatever it was, uh, with our stupid little glasses, looking up at that eclipse from all around the city as the as the moon passed between the Earth and the Sun. Mostly. <laughs> um, we all stopped what we were doing. We all stopped reading our political blogs and watching our, I almost swore, our cable news. Um, And and we we put that stuff aside and we went outside and looked up at the sun that God made. (laughs) And if we were like in a, a... a nice neighborhood or a poor neighborhood or a city or a suburb or a rural setting or whatever it was. We were all looking up at the sky at the same time and and uh, neighbors came out and we shared our glasses with them and um, the strangers on the street were walking by. I saw so many cool pictures and videos of people like who were downtown at that time They came out to look up and somebody came by and like oh I, I didn't think to get glasses can I use yours and that we were sharing with each other. <laughs> the thing that, that made it work was that we were all united in looking at the the same amazing, awesome, life-giving thing and pondering our existence in the world relative to that, that giant ball of gas 93 million miles away and the frozen rock that was skating between us for a minute turned our attention together and we were standing next to each other looking in the same direction. What if we, as people of Christ, did that? Instead of trying to convince each other that our politics were wrong or that they were the wrong expression of the gospel or whatever it might be. What if we all looked at Jesus instead of the, the divisive thing we were staring at? What if, what if for a week we agreed to turn off Sean Hannity and to turn off Rachel Maddow and read the Sermon on the Mount for an hour every night instead? What if we close the browser tab with daily costs in it? And we close the browser tab with young cons in it. And we open a new browser tab with, with the Bible in it. I don't want to be too, like, too pastory here. I don't want to be too pat. But what if we, we close that, that nonsense down and, and focused on going deeper in Scripture for a little while? What if we, what if we lo- Jesus, take the wheel. What if we logged out of Facebook? <laughs> I'm seeing a, a Pentecostal praise silent back there. <laughs> what if we logged out of Facebook for a week? Listen, I have wanted to, to throw Facebook into the fiery furnace so many times over the last couple of months. And you know the reason I haven't done it? Well, it's because I'm addicted to it, like it's an <laughs> opioid. But the, the, the reason I tell myself is, like, I can't leave because I have to shepherd these people who are about to kill each other. I can't. I can't go, I can't get away. I have to be a pastoral presence in the world. And I'm like, <laughs> Listen, it is not helping. Do you know what Facebook does? Why does Facebook exist? It exists to show you advertising. That's the only reason it exists. It's how it makes it gigantic pile of money every second of the year, right? And the way it determines which ads to show you and which articles to show you is it looks at what you like and it shows you more of it and more of it and more of it until you think, everybody in the world likes the same things as me. Anybody with a brain knows that whatever it is, And then like there's this whole other group of people and they might be your family members or your friends or your brothers and sisters in Christ. They might be sitting right next to you right now and they have different things that they like. And so they click like, 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 like on those things and then Facebook shovels more of that garbage at them over and over and over again. And it just, the piles just keep getting bigger and bigger and we are just further and further from having any kind of meaningful interaction with each other. Listen, I am not a Luddite. It's not about the fact that it's people who talk on the internet instead of in person. Shut up. It's not that. Look, People talk in all kinds of ways around the world, and they always have and they always will. And they said the same thing about email. They said the same thing about the telephone. They said the same thing about the telegraph. So get that out of your mind. It's not that. This is different. This is new. This is insidious. And it is destroying our relationships with each other. So shut it off. And I'll try to, too. If you promise you won't snipe at each other for a week, I will shut it off for a week, too. Listen, it's not just that. I have this pastor I follow on Twitter, <laughs> which is another problem in my life. <laughs> He's great. Um, he said, I don't think I can proclaim a gospel in, 30 minute, in a 30-minute sermon that will overpower the gospel that my entire congregation has been receiving from their cable news channel every night, all week long. And listen, those of you who are thinking, yeah, I can't believe that some people watch that channel, you are part of the problem too. Whatever channel it is, (laughs) if you want the gospel to take root in your life, and you are shoveling that nonsense into your ears and your eyes and your hearts and your minds and your souls instead, You are conforming to the ways of this world. And what you should be doing is being transformed by the renewing of your minds. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly than you ought to of yourself, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned Clement of Rome said, why do we divide and tear to pieces the members of Christ? And by the way, members um, just means body parts, right? Think of the, the word dismembering. It's kind of a gross word, but that's where that members does not communicate what's being communicated there, which is that we are body parts knitted to each other. Why do we divide and tear to pieces the members of Christ and raise up strife against our own body? And why have we reached such a height of madness as to forget that we are members one of another? For as in one body, we have many members, many parts, and not all the parts have the same function. So we who are many in are one body in Christ. And individually, we are members one of another. We're parts of each other. And so when he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, and then starts talking about, guess what the body really is? It's all of the people. It's not just that you present yourself, your own body, as a living sacrifice. That you, it's not just that the way you worship God now is not by sacrificing animals, but by sacrificing with the way you live. It's also that, guess what? We are all one body. And we have to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, which means we have to do it together. Which means we have to look at Jesus instead of all the other things that we want to look at and be transformed by the renewing of our minds Now listen, I know that for some people, the politics is not just like a—it's not just like a, um, a fantasy sports league or something. It's not theoretical. It's not imaginary. That the, the policies that uh, that are put forth by one party or another actually directly affect your life. For some of us, that's more true than others. I'm not asking you to—if you are a victim of oppression—to make nice with your oppressors because you know, you have to be submissive and that kind of thing. I am asking you to love your enemies. There's a line there that's very difficult to find for people who have legitimately been oppressed. And how can I, as a person who is not oppressed, ask those who are to to practice this type of sacrificial love? I I get that that's kind of, there's a lot of gall in that. What I will say to you is that I will stand with you as you do that I won't make you go alone and I, I pray that our, our church will stand with you as well that we will be one body that when the eye is hurting the shoulder will hurt too and so on I will stand with you the church will stand with you and, and guess what so will the God of the universe we, we said Psalm 138 earlier together for though the Lord is high he regards the lowly but the haughty he perceives from far away. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve me against the wrath of my enemies. You stretch out your hand and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his promise for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. And then that plea. Do not forsake the work of your hands and God will not forsake the work of God's hands. Continuing on with the end of Romans 12. Uh, 6-8, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry and ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter and exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness, and in August of 2017, I might add the activist, the protester, the candidate for a local office, the letter writer, the, the artist, because artists are the true prophets that we have today, You've all been given those gifts and you need to use them for the building up of the body, for the sharing of Christ's love around our world. And remember, this is the last thing to remember. What Paul says elsewhere about these spiritual gifts, which is that you can be the most amazing, spiritually gifted person in the whole world. Some people speak in tongues in churches. I don't know that that's ever happened or ever will at Artisan, but sometimes that happens. And he says, if I speak in tongues like an angel, but have not love, I'm just a clanging gate. I'm just a noisy clanging gong, a noisy whatever. There's just like a loud cacophony of noise. Love is what makes it work. Love is what activates it. Love is what its true source is. And so if you have a spiritual gift and you're not using it in love, you're just making noise. So whatever your gift is, whatever your part in the body is, loving thing to do, I think, is to help us, use your gift to help us turn our attention to Jesus and his way so that we are all looking at the same thing from wherever we might be and so that our minds will be transformed and renewed and we do this all in light of the many mercies of God. Amen. The mercies of God are on display here but not just for your observation for your participation for your uh, enjoyment for your strength Uh, the table of the Lord is laid out for those of us who seek to follow him and trust him with all that we have and uh, I invite you to come if you're following Jesus in this place and receive the body and blood of the Savior take a piece of this bread remember his body which is broken for you and dip it in one of the cups remembering his blood which is shed for the forgiveness of sins and as you actually get to taste the forgiveness of, of God, may, um, may you be drawn closer together with those on uh, every side of every spectrum who may be taking communion right here with you today. And if they aren't, they certainly might have been last week or next week or somewhere around the city or somewhere in the world. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Uh, If you'd like to receive personalized prayer, there'll be a member of the prayer team at the back of the room. And uh, if you can get your kids, I think I went a little long here, and I think the teachers might appreciate that too. Uh, Let's continue to worship God at the table and in prayer and in song. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.